Welcome to On The Point Podcast with Brother Fluff. I am Brother Fluff, a proud Texas Freemason. And tonight we are honored to be receiving our special guest, uh, the most worshipful grandmaster of Texas Masons, most worshipful Bradley Billings. Brother Brad, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us tonight. And I know that you're, you're an extremely busy guy. You got a lot of things going on. And for you to jump in nine months into your term as grandmaster and say, hey, let's do an interview with Fluff. I am just eternally grateful. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, how has your year been going so far? Uh, it's been excellent. Uh, everything I expected, a little bit more. Um, and it's been nonstop for all these months and uh, a little bit more to go. And it, it's not going to slow down. So um, I'm having a great time. I tell everybody, I hope you're having a great time with me. But, you know, yeah. at the end of the day, I'm, I'm doing stuff that, uh, that I enjoy in masonry and I hope others are as well. So for those of you who don't know, Brother Billings just got back from pretty much a historic trip over in the UK. He went to England, Scotland. Did you get to Ireland or where, where'd you get over no, there? No, couldn't work it in. The, couldn't work it in. We, we tried, yeah. um, but, but we just got to London and Edinburgh. Yeah. And he happened to be there during this historic time of obviously the, the the queen passing away and King Charles ascending to the throne and then a new prime minister as well. Like um, pretty much anywhere Brad goes, he just makes history. That's that's what we're just sticking with. He's, he's making history where he goes. And he's very literally the definition of a traveling man. But you aren't done yet. And, and I think it's important to say you have a special event coming up on October the 1st. Uh, it is the, uh, you're doing your, your, uh, grandmasters conference in Gonzales. Is that correct? What's, what's happening there? Well, it's not really a conference. Uh, it's laid out like a conference weekend, mm -hmm. but it's all centered around come and take it. You know, I, I tell everybody it's like the Alamo. If you're, if you're a Texan, it's a pilgrimage. You have to make it during your lifetime. If you're a Texas Freemason, it's a pilgrimage we make every year. And I'm so proud to be head of a body that takes its history so seriously. This is the Come and Take It event. It's one of our annual Masonic historical observances. And um, it is the first shot of the Texas Revolution that happened in Gonzales. Uh, people call it the Lexington of Texas, but it's quite, quite literally where our revolution began. It is what started what we now know today as Texas uh, in the sense of a republic and then a state. And um, it's, it's an awesome experience. Now, you should go every year, mm -hmm. my personal opinion. But in particular, this year, because there are some things that are going on that you're going to want to take part of. Uh, like I said, every Mason should go. Every Texan should go. Uh, this is the year, though, that you should mark it off your bucket list for this important reason. Gonzales Lodge, which hosts this event every year, Gonzales Lodge number 30, is having their 175th anniversary this year. Wow. So, again, this is historic. It doesn't happen very often. We did the same thing at the Alamo when we were there earlier. We celebrated the Alamo, and then we had Alamo Lodge's 175th. These events don't come along that often. Uh, and, you know, will we be alive for the 200th anniversary? I certainly hope so, you and yeah. I especially. But, uh, but you never know. So this is a great event to come out to. Friday night, we're going to stop in Lockhart, and we're putting together a Texas-sized charcuterie. <laughs> all I'm going to say, but believe me, it's going to be something you're going to want to be there, get your picture with it. It's going to be epic. Uh, Saturday, we have the traditional come and take it parade. Then we're going to all retire to another place that every Texas 
person should make a pilgrimage to in their lifetime, Shiner Brewery. And uh, <laughs> we're going to have, <laughs> exactly. And we're going to have a fez off between uh, the Shriners and the Grotto and see who can get more fezes to this event. And it's going to be just a great fez off, great event, a little bit of fun, a little bit of levity. It's a great family event, though. A lot mm -hmm. of people think because it's a brewery, it's, uh, you know, 21 and up simply not the case they have a great field out in front of it there's cornhole boards there's mm. usually german music playing german food uh tents it's a great place to just come and hang out and enjoy some fellowship and then we go back to gonzales that night for the 175th uh celebration and then the next morning on sunday we wake up we actually do the come and take it because that was the second october 2nd was when the cannon was fired mm -hmm. uh we will do a celebration with the daughters of the republic that morning at the monument and then everybody can get on the road home. That's uh, that's pretty amazing. I mean, if you haven't experienced one of these events this year, you got to get out there because every event has been different. Every event has focused on just different things that mean different things uh, that bring up different feelings to different Masons, you know. And for guys like me who are really big into history, like I love the bringing the history to these events. But then there's guys who just want to have fun. And those guys get to experience the fun and, and hang out with the history nerds and we all have fun. And I do have an important question to ask you since you are a red Raider, right? Is it only appropriate that you are going to wear both a red and black fez to this event? Or, you know, how are you going to, how are you going to pick? Uh, I, I will probably not wear a fez cause I don't <laughs> want to show uh, uh, partiality on either side. I will tell you though, um, I have both of my fezes and we have a giant scale built right. and I will be monitoring scale and I will tilt uh, who's winning and who's losing as we go throughout the day just to add a little bit of fun. But there will be a winner at the end of this thing. There will be bragging rights on the line. So if you're a member of the grotto or the shrine, you're worried about your bragging rights. You better show up on, on October 1st. Just, just be like uh, us. Why not both? You know? Absolutely. <laughs> and I am both. And I'm a proud member of both. And uh, But but people ask me all the time, can I wear both fezes? I said, no, mm -hmm. you got to pick one for that day. So maybe you're an officer in one and not in the other. Um, just pick whichever one you want to for that day, and we're going to have some fun with it. So. Well, as a as a member of the, uh, of the public relations team for the Southwest Grotto Association, boys, I'm just saying you better black fez up. That's, that's all I got to say. <laughs> I'm not pulling it's sides. Really <laughs> they're, they're, they're totally different. You know, the shrine is mm -hmm. uh, a big center. They're usually in the bigger cities. Uh, and then the grottoes kind of all sprinkled throughout. They're, they're typically smaller, more of like a lodge field. Mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see who turns up, but bragging rights will be online. And, yeah. uh, and the Grand Lodge Facebook page will definitely host either a red or black fez. All up to you guys to decide which one it is. Hey, well, that's awesome. That is awesome. Uh, so, I mean, you've really been going at it all year. Like you said, you, you've gone to San Antonio. Uh, you've, you've done many events in Texas. You had the Grapevine event, which I've had so many people comment about the Native American uh, degree team that you had come down. Uh, you've been to right. Holland Lodge number one, like right off the get-go. You, you weren't even Grandmaster for, what, six days before you made it down to Holland? It was, it was pretty quick. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was a week. Yeah. So you've you've made it all the way across the state. You've gone down into Mexico, uh, but you know, in the same time, I know you've gone 
from coast to coast. You've been to the East Coast, you've been to the West Coast, you've been up to, to Minnesota and several places in between. Do you plan on slowing down? Uh, I mean, you only got like three months left. Are you going to stop or are you going to just keep going? The, the funny thing is my schedule doesn't allow me to slow down. Now, the day <laughs> after Grand Lodge, I'm going to slow down. But until then, I, I just uh, And, you know, when we were putting together this year, my team and I, um, one thing that was important to us was to have events that were worth going to. Not just, we've had this event for the last 30 years. You know, with all due respect, if it's not something that we were motivated and inspired to travel to, um, I didn't want it on the calendar. There's just not enough time. Right. And so, you know, when I was training the district deputies, there used to be this this rule that if you're within 100 miles of the Grandmaster, you know, you're expected to be there as a district deputy or send regrets if you can't be there. And I told my guys, I don't care about that. Mm -hmm. uh, I said, come to the stuff that you were inspired to be at. And I've had more district deputies show up. I mean, we've got guys that are from, you know, two, three hours away coming to an event because it's something that inspired them. And that's, I would much rather have those types of events um, because it's what keeps me going. I, yeah. I look at my calendar and I'm excited for what's up next. Yeah. And that's kind of how I've stayed motivated, stayed traveling this time. And uh, it's getting closer to the end, but I don't have the, the luxury or the ability to slow down just because that schedule is so jam-packed. Yeah. It, it has been a great time. And like I said, uh, I tell everybody else, I planned this year out so that I would have a great time. That, that mm. was the goal, uh, to make it fun and inspiring. And I hope everybody else comes along. And so far they have, and I hope you guys will continue this journey with me for the yeah. next three, four months. Man, I, uh, I was inspired when I went down to Grand Lodge. I wasn't even really planning on going to Grand Lodge this year. But uh, as you know, uh, one of the past masters of my lodges, uh, Heath Sutliff, he did a little bet with me. He said, hey, guess what? You're going to Grand Lodge. And I said, I'm not going to Grand Lodge. My wife won't let me. And so he's like, ah, I'll make it a TikTok challenge. And we got so many followers, so many likes. And so it was like, okay, well, I guess I'm going to Grand Lodge because TikTok wants me to. Uh, but after experiencing Grand Lodge and meeting the brothers that I met at Grand Lodge, I wanted to hang out with these guys more. So I had to yeah. make some plans and, and get some events going. So, you know, right after Grand Lodge, uh, I headed to San Antonio and, and, and then, you know, I get called for other events. So I've been back down to Waco a couple of times. I've been to Dallas a couple of times. I've been everywhere, places that I normally wouldn't go. It's, it's really, really cool. But a lot of the guys in my lodge, especially the newer master Masons, they'll be like, you know, is it really important for, for master Masons who, who can't vote? You know, they're not a past master and they're not holding the proxy vote. Is it important for them to go experience Grand Lodge? And I say yes, but I want to hear it straight from your mouth. Do you think it's important for, for all these guys to show up? And and if so, why? I'll tell you this. Um, this will be my 15th consecutive Grand Lodge this year. Yeah. Um, and I was made a, uh, I was made an inter apprentice in October, and I was so bummed because my entire lodge went uh, to Grand Lodge that year. But I was just an inter apprentice, so you know I was encouraged not to go because. Mm -hmm. What are you going to do? Sit in the hallway the you know the whole time. Mm -hmm. um, but the very next year, uh, and I, I think it was because I had to sit out and everybody went. The next year, I was going. You couldn't stop me. So I was a master mason. I went, and I've been every year for 14 consecutive years. This will be 15. Yeah. Uh, Lord willing. And the best way to describe it is a family reunion. Mm -hmm. um, if you go every year, you're going to meet people 
and then they meet people and they introduce you and you introduce them to the people that you've met and your circle grows and grows and grows. If you go every year, it ends up becoming this great meeting of friends and brothers that just really, there's nothing else that we do all year long that can touch it. We have three or 4,000 Masons coming to a city. Uh, you might not see these guys again for another year until Grand Lodge again. Yeah. If you're cheating yourself by not going to that, if you're robbing yourself of that opportunity, I can't understand why. So a lot mm. of the stuff that we're doing this year, you know, since COVID started with Paul Underwood, we did, we've always had a virtual component ever since. But uh, myself and several of the trustees are very adamant that we have voting on site mm -hmm. at Grand Lodge because that's one of the greatest things that we have going for us right now is bringing all these guys from all over Texas together for this one meeting. And so, you know, if you can't make it down there, of course, you can still experience Grand Lodge through a virtual setting. But if you want to vote, but really, more importantly, if you want the experience, and that's the only way you yeah. can describe it, is experience of it all, you got to come to Waco. Yeah. And it's, it's a small price to pay for the dividends, as you well know now, yeah. the dividends that you receive, not just then, but all year long. Well, what's really cool for me is, you know, when it got into some of the stuff that I just couldn't participate in, and it's kind of like, well, why am I even here in this point i had a whole museum to go get lost in and i had a ton of people outside to go talk to i mean you're you're constantly connecting with with brothers and you know brothers are just guys who are your best friends you hadn't met yet so you're walking through a museum you run into a guy who you've never met before and by the end of it you're practically like hugging each other and being like yeah i'll see you in six months because you just agreed to sign up for something that you have no idea what you signed up for but you know it's it's a great experience, but saying that, I'm I'm a big history nerd. I mean, it's just it is what I am. Is there a place in Grand Lodge, through the museum, library, wherever, that you just like to kind of go and hide out and get lost? I, I mean, I, I don't want you to have to tell your secret and everybody's going to find you there. But is there a particular place that you could just go and and sit for hours? Well, luckily, now I have an office to go get lost in. <laughs> Um, no, but really, um, the memorial room, if you've never mm -hmm. been in it, uh, has the old stained glass from the old lodge. Um, and, and it's, it's just a place of reverence, a place to be quiet, to be still. Uh, I normally have to go in there before Grand Lodge starts on so Thursday morning, or a lot of times I'll go on Wednesday when the committee meetings are happening, uh, pop into a couple of those and then just stop by that room and be still for a moment. Yeah, uh, it's something that um, it's a great place for reflection. I love all the museums. Mm -hmm. I love the library, and I could get lost in there as well. But that place really—you um, kind of feel it. It's powerful mm -hmm. when you're in that room. So I like to go there at least once or twice during Grand Lodge, if I can, to get centered and to kind of have that that proper reverence for what yeah. we're about to do. And there's one other spot that I'll, I'll mention if you've never seen it. If you go out front. Uh, by the columns, mm -hmm. uh, sorry, pillars, if you will, and uh, at night, and you look up and see the stained glass of oh, yeah. the five brethren under the, the oak tree, um, it's awe-inspiring. And so if you've never done that, I encourage you at Grand Lodge, at night, to go out in front and look at the pillars and, and that stained glass, and uh, it'll, it'll give you some inspiration, I promise you. I got a beef on that one. Now, granted, I was I was driving back to the hotel, or I wasn't driving. I was riding back to the hotel from Crickets, and we drove by that stained glass because they're like, Fluff, you got to experience it. You got to see it. 
it was always turned off. What is the time that that light is on? Because I want to see it this year. So, um, you know, it, it all depends on uh, building and, and when those guys turn it on. Um, but I'm going to request this year during Grand Lodge at night that it be turned on. Yeah. Uh, obviously, it's not something you want on all night, every night. Um, right. You know, it, it, it could draw on vandals or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think during that time, we could probably have the proper um, guards there to make sure that nothing happens to it. Uh, it really is gorgeous. It's yeah. really beautiful. You don't see stained glass like that mm-hmm. on many Masonic buildings, on the outside of many Masonic buildings. Um, you see it more in cathedrals and stuff mm-hmm. like that. It truly is a work of art. And it, it's huge, guys. Like, I hadn't seen it lit up, but it's huge. It is It is absolutely breathtaking to stand in between those pillars, to look down the steps, turn around, see these gigantic doors with this amazing stained glass window. It. You're, you're right. It's breathtaking. It's awe-inspiring. It, it's really, really neat. So one thing that young and old Masons have told me across the state is that your year has been different. Whether good or bad, it's, it's been different. Should we expect the same old Grand Lodge uh, coming up in January, or is it going to be something a little different? <laughs> Oh, you know me, I always got something on my sleeves. But, right. Uh, <laughs> tell you this, uh, it's um, everything that we've done this year, we try to stay true to who we are as mm-hmm. Freemasons. We're not trying to go off and be something different. Same thing for Grand Lodge. It's going to be, you're going to get the true Grand Lodge experience if you come down. Yeah. But that being said, everything that we've done, we've looked at it very purposefully. Uh, why do we do this? Is there a reason for that? Can we tweak this? Can we make that event better? Uh, and absolutely, at this year at Grand Lodge, I'm not going to give away any secrets because I want you to come down and experience it. I mean, you'll tell me we later, right? Some... What's that? You'll you'll tell me later, right? I won't tell anybody. We're good. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> yeah. Maybe. Maybe not. You have this whole TikTok thing. You've got a podcast now. So it's not blasted <laughs> out there. No, but I, I, like everything that we've done this year, we've tried to put a fresh spin on it. Um, you know, the Alamo event, there was nothing new there, but we put a new spin on it and mm-hmm. it really did change the, the outlook and the way that it happened. We're doing the same thing in Gonzales that's coming up. We're, we're putting a fresh spin on it, uh, a new way to look at it. And Grand Lodge will absolutely fall in that same vein. Yeah. So if you've never been, or if you've been 20 times, come this year, because I promise you, you're going to see something that you've never seen before. Absolutely. You know, uh, earlier this year, just to kind of paraphrase you a little bit through your message to the lodges, uh, you said that we should go out and kind of make our own masonry. Well, we've seen you do this traveling. We've seen you promote guys just getting out out of their regions a little bit and getting somewhere. Uh, would you say that this this traveling and these experience that this is Brad Billings version of masonry given to Texas? Is, is that kind of what you feel? So. I, you know, just a, a little change in verbiage there, but but you're very you're very right on point. Um, but not to make your own version of masonry, because I think that that could get out of hand with with some people interpreting that. But <laughs> right. to to experience masonry the way you want to experience it, mm-hmm. and what I really mean by that is, don't see somebody being a past master and assume that that is the end all be all of masonry. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't see grandmaster and think, well, if I'm not that, I'm not successful. Uh, that's not the case at all. Um, I think masonry would be so much better off if people would find stuff that they love to do 
and just do that. Yeah. Right. And as you're doing it, you're naturally going to find other stuff within the fraternity that you love and do that until you get to a point where your wife tells you, okay, hey, maybe you maybe you're gone a little too much, and then you stop looking for new stuff. But do what you enjoy, do what you love, and be happy in doing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying don't be, don't go out there and become a past master because there is something to having a vote and a voice at Grand Lodge. Mm-hmm. But don't put so much emphasis on that 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 is what you're supposed to do. That's what's going to make you happy in Freemasonry. Yeah. Um, so for me, traveling is absolutely one of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had the good fortune when I was in, in college. My parents were very understanding. They let me travel abroad. And I learned very quickly that uh, that the world is a big place, but it's also very small. And in this most recent trip, traveling as a Mason, which is just a whole other level of awesomeness. Yeah. But when you travel as a Mason, the world is both bigger and smaller at the same time and it is an incredible experience yeah if you are not traveling as a mason uh you're really robbing yourself like i said now you might be an introvert masonry's going to work on that and you have a promise (laughs) but you may not want to go outside your four walls uh initially but there's going to come a point where some event's going to happen and you're going to want to go to it i can't encourage you enough to do that the people you meet the experiences you have will enrich your masonic career tenfold mm-hmm. and it has for me i want to tell other people just go do it I, what is it going to hurt yeah what is it going to hurt i promise you you're not going to have a bad time yeah go enjoy mason exactly you know uh earlier this year i've asked you this question a couple times on on lives in private and everything like that i i, I said most worshipful what's uh what's your favorite experience as grandmaster so far and you keep telling me that it was the grandmasters conference I got to ask with everything that's happened this year and this crazy historic trip with, with, uh, in, in, in the UK, is that moment still your favorite moment in masonry or as a grandmaster or, or has it changed a little bit? It's impossible. You know, uh, <laughs> it's one of those things where you, you couldn't pick. It's like, if you had three kids and you asked which one's your favorite, there, there is no right answer. Right. I mean, they're mm-hmm. all amazing. Every experience that I've had, has been phenomenal um being installed at grand lodge just just the being installed part of it was such a profound experience for me um all the way to you know the thousand mason march on the alamo um all the way through a grapevine having my kind of my home conference going back to my hometown lubbock uh, in that area everything that we've done has just been outstanding and then you know just most recently this uk trip um going to the grand lodge of england going to the Grand Lodge of Scotland, being there at such a historic time. Um, I really don't know how you could quantify in any level, any possible way, convey uh, which one of those was better than the other. Yeah. But they've been outstanding. And and I'm looking at the calendar, and we still have, you know, four or five or six of these epic events coming up. Yeah. And so maybe in about 10 years after I've unpacked all this <laughs> uh awesomeness i'll have time to to kind of think about which which one was my favorite but at the moment it's still also fresh so new as, um, as long as you come back and tell me first that's all i ask just make sure it's with me when i figure it out, <laughs> I figure it out you'll be the first to know <laughs> i do have to say i would be i would be you know I'd, I'd feel really terrible if i didn't say this i would like to congratulate you and your wonderful, lovely life on 10 year anniversary. 
I know that you've scored yep. some brownie points by mixing a Masonic trip with an anniversary and a, a dinner in where where was it? Edinburgh, Scotland? Is, where, where was that? Edinburgh. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah I'm not creeping on you or anything. <laughs> no, even that has some Masonic ties. The funny thing, uh, I have a good friend, Moses Gomez, out of New Jersey, uh, and he had been to Scotland to, to lecture several times. He knows all mm-hmm. the guys over there. And so we were talking before I went and said, you know, 10-year anniversary is coming up. Um, really need to do something nice. What do you got? And so he was calling everybody over there and figuring out where to go. And so we ended up at this yeah. absolutely gorgeous place. Uh, it was a seven-course meal. Hopefully I got some brownie points, as you said. But um, <laughs> really, you know, all set up uh, because of masonry. We were on this mm-hmm. trip, and I was like, honey, do you want to celebrate when we get back? Or do you want to celebrate while we're in Edinburgh? Right. So the obvious thing in scotland right yeah and um it was just it was a blast so yeah you know kudos to, to masonry for hooking me up with <laughs> well you know that that kind of leads into a, a pretty interesting topic here you are a younger grandmaster in in the in the line of grandmasters across the united states and, and the world really you're, you're one of the younger ones you have a young son and and you have been married for 10 years how do you uh, how, how does your family relate and how do they fit in all of this masonry all the time this year? Have they accepted it pretty well or has it been something that you've had to, to work around? Because I've been married to my wife for 10 years and uh, she tells me exactly what you said. Honey, you got to slow down a little bit. You know, how, how does that work as, as grandmaster? Well, interestingly enough, everything is everything in life is balance, right? And, mm-hmm. and particularly in masonry, we learned that early on that it's a, it's a balance. Um, but before I made myself available for this office, uh, I sat down with my wife and my mentor, Leonard Harvey, mm-hmm. and we talked through it. You know, what is it going to take? How much time? How much effort? Uh, this was well before I made myself available. This was mm-hmm. when I was starting to think about it and uh, and got her buy-in, you know, at the moment. And then talked to my parents, my sister, uh, you know, the whole family. Said, I'm going to mm-hmm. need a lot of help if I am successful in this over the four years. And of course, in that last year, I'm going to need extra help so everything was good everybody agreed to it and i had started making myself available two years before i was going to run because i'm a younger guy i wanted to get around the state and tell people why i was i was making myself available yeah um six months before the votes were cast we find out we're pregnant <laughs> and so at the time i'm thinking you know oh no uh you know i've spent a year and a half on yeah. the road you know 40 50, miles and uh, and now I don't know how it's going to work. But after much thought, much prayer, I, I went through that same process again. I went to my mm-hmm. wife, made sure I had her blessing. Uh, went to my parents and my, my family, yeah. and got got a blessing again. And it really turned out um, to be through divine providence exactly what was supposed to happen. Yeah. Because what you said in the beginning that working man, family man, mm-hmm. those things are important to the guys who are joining missionary today. They don't have the free time that you know the older guys have that are retired mm-hmm. and so having my son literally six months uh, not six months three months after um after i was installed made me look at this process through a whole different light that i wouldn't yeah. have you know if, if it was just me and my wife yeah and so a lot of our this year uh, as you well know had child care um, mm. or we had another event for the ladies and the kids to go enjoy while we were doing masonry. Yeah. That probably wouldn't have happened 
it was just me and my wife, you know? Yeah. So it really ended up being a great thing. It was something that I had to think through, but I think it's something that, that we should all think through in the future because if we want more young guys to join and participate, yeah. we have to think of the family man, we have to think of the working man. Yeah. And that's, that's the guys that are joining now fit that demographic. And so for us, as leaders in the fraternity, we have to look at how do we accommodate their schedule. Yeah. And I got to say, brothers, uh, if you can get your wife to hang out with other Mason's wife and your kids to hang out with other Mason's kids, you're going to have a good time. Even if it's 100% family event, no esoteric light being shared or anything, you're going to have a good time because when you join the Masonic Brotherhood, you are joining a family. And it's really cool to see all these little relationships start to form with my wife hanging out with the others and and, and my boys, you know, they want to go to Lodge because they know they're going to get to see their friends at Lodge. It's, it's neat. You know, uh, your son, he's he's three or four, somewhere around there, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think he'll knock on the door one day? Before we get to that, just real quick, uh, tagging on what you said, my son's three. Uh-huh. He's one of his best friends in the world is eight, and she lives in Waco, but she is the daughter of a master mason, so and one of my district deputies. So everywhere that we go, she's at, and they right. have a great time. So absolutely, Masonic family is the way to go. Um, will he join a lodge someday? I, I hope so. And I think yeah. any father who who has been in masonry any time hopes that his son will follow in his footsteps. Yeah. Um, for me, it's very important that he makes that decision on his own. Yes. And so never going to try to force it, never going to try to say, hey, it's something you should do someday. But I hope to uh, be somebody that he looks up to, mm-hmm. and I hope to live my life in those principles so that he knows it's an important part of my life. Mm-hmm. So when he comes to the age of majority, he makes that decision on his own. Um, yeah. I, I really hope he does. Maybe he'll see this interview someday. Uh, <laughs> son, I hope he But... You know, that, that's a decision. It's a personal decision yeah. for each of us. I wouldn't want it to be any different for him. Well, you know, it's it's like I always say, we always have new watchers and, and new listeners joining in. And, and the reason why that's important is because there's certain steps you have to take in your life before you can even knock on that door. You got to be a good man. You got to have a belief in the supreme being and have a volume of sacred law and believe in the immortality of the soul. That's that's the foundation right there. And then everything else that you bring within masonry just helps build you up and shape you as a better person. So if you don't have that foundation set, there's no way to do it. And and nobody can just go up to their kids and say, hey, you're a good guy, join. You know, they have to figure it out on their own. It's it's like, the, it's a mix of the, the prodigal son uh, from the, the Holy Bible. You know, you just, you don't know where they're gonna land. But I tell all the guys, I'm like, listen, my number one goal is to make sure that there's at least a door for them to knock on when they get to that point in their life. Whether they knock on it or not, that door is there, you know? So that's that's the important thing to me. Um, you know, I've been, uh, I, it's funny that you mentioned uh, Leonard Harvey because I, I didn't realize he was a, a huge mentor of yours. Um, and I was watching his interview with uh, Jack Kelly, past Grandmaster Jack Kelly. And he said something really, really interesting to me uh, is before he decided to, to make his announcement to run for the Grand South, which for those of you who aren't in Texas, that's where the Grand Lodge, uh, Grand Lodge of Texas Grand Line starts. It's, it's uh, you, you run for the uh, Grand Junior Warden. But before he made that decision, his wife asked him, do you have anything good to give 
the Grand Lodge of Texas? And he said, yeah. And that has really hit me, like even in getting in line or staying in line in my lodges, do I have something good to give? Do I think I can, I can contribute something to this lodge? Can I contribute something to this body? I got to know, what was your something that you thought that you could give that was just a little bit better? So there's, there's two things, right? So there's mm-hmm. qualified for the office, and then there's what, do you, what are you going to bring to the office? Mm-hmm. So uh, the first thing for me was qualified. And so for anybody out there that's you know thinking about this, th- these were my qualification boxes. Uh, obviously, you have to be a past master. Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted to be a past president of our MWSA here in Dallas. Um, I wanted to be on uh, an appointed Grand Lodge officer on the planning team and uh, and to have been a district deputy grandmaster, obviously. Uh, I also wanted to be a master of a statewide lodge, which I built through Texas Lodge of Research. After I had done all of those things, I felt that I was qualified. And then it comes down to exactly what you asked. What do you feel like you could bring? And this was actually a really an, an internal struggle for me for many years leading up to it, thinking, do I run now? Mm-hmm. Or do I wait for 20 years and run, you know, when I'm technically supposed to, I'm using the air quotes. Right. Um, and the thing that I kept wrestling with is, okay, maybe not as qualified now, but I have the energy and the enthusiasm. I'm looking at it through new eyes rather than waiting a little bit, maybe not mm-hmm. as much energy, maybe a little more jaded. Let's just be honest. Uh, and kind of looking back and I decided to run while looking forward. And the reason was, that energy and that excitement I thought would bring something new to the craft that we hadn't had for a while. Uh, and just to, to view it through new and younger eyes. Yeah. And really what put me over the top on that decision was the final thought of, I'll be a past grandmaster at the age of 39. Yeah. If Lord is willing, I could be a past grandmaster for 50 years. And <laughs> the amount of knowledge and the amount of, of uh, cohesion that I could put into that and give back to the craft over the next 50 years uh, really was something that to me put me over the edge and said, okay, no, you need to run now. You need to make this happen sooner rather yeah. than later. Yeah, man, that's that, that is really cool. And, and I like that. I like the fact that you saw that there was a, there's, there's a level, level of energy. Uh, one thing that I'm pushing to, to all the bodies and, and lodges that I belong to, it's, it's we want to bring excitement. Guys like to see excitement. We want this excitement. We and, and excitement is just energy. It's potential. It's basically light. It's what are you giving the lodge? What? Are, how are you taking it and using it? And what are you doing outside in your community? And that's that's really cool. That is uh, a and really cool. People are drawn to it. People are drawn to it. So yeah, it's something that uh, we we've, we've tried to bring a lot of this year. I think we've had a lot of success. You, uh, you you mentioned that past Grandmaster Leonard Harvey is a, a, or was a mentor of yours. And uh, did he pass away before you got to run for the Grand South, or did he get to see that? He did. He um, he knew I was going to run, mm-hmm. um, and we had talked about it. And basically, I had the green light from him, and I was, I think, maybe – six months into running when he had passed and, right. and it really was unfortunate. I would have loved for him to be here and mm-hmm. to uh, take part in, in this year and be a part of it. But overall, he really, he still is, he was yeah. and is a mentor because the things he taught me, 
you know, randomly I'll think of something he said or something he did. Yeah. And it inspires me to, uh, you know, to do what he would have done. And right. uh, I got to give a, a tribute to him. I gave a toast, the nine o'clock toast this year on his mm-hmm. birthday uh, with his favorite drink, which is peach brandy and Coke. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's, just, it's one of those things that's just very cool that he's still with me in a way. Yeah. But uh, but I certainly miss him every day. And that light's going to carry on because you are no, in no doubt sharing that same light, that same love, that same information that he gave you with, with others around you. So he, his memory is going to live on for a long time through you and hopefully through others as well. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's just goes to show how small of a internal past grandmaster fraternity that, that we have. And, you know, whenever you kicked it off and, and uh, made the run and, and got elected, is there a particular past grandmaster that's kind of like taking you in and, and help kind of show you the ways or the, the best and only way that I can answer that is it, Leonard Harvey, even though he's, he's still not with me, as we were saying just a few minutes ago, he's still with me. He is, uh, he has been the greatest influence on, on my Masonic life. And there's no way I would be where I am today without him. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is the guy that, that constantly reminds me um, of, of what a Mason should be. Um, but I will tell you this, you know, within that, that smaller fraternity that you mentioned, there are uh, brothers, uh, right worshipers in this case, right. who has a uh, greater impact on my life than others. And really and truthfully, um, a couple of them that have passed away, like Leonard, uh, Bob Waters was a fantastic Mason, and he's a salesman, like I'm a salesman. Right. Uh, but I didn't get to know him until you know the last couple of years of his life, mm-hmm. and uh, and I really wish I would have known him longer. And David DeBrell, man, the prince of a guy, uh, the guy who always, even though he was past grandmaster, sought to really understand where you were coming from and what your thoughts were. Um, very approachable and just you know, one of the nicest guys you would have ever meet, met. Yeah. Um, those guys uh, are, are guys that, that are with me um, daily. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, you've got a few guys that are still here that are still with us. Um, and, you know, Tommy Frank Chapman, mm-hmm. um, he, was a, he was a guy that gave me my first office. He said, if I, if I get elected, I want you to be Grand Junior Steward. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he, of course, he was successful, and I got to, to fall into that role. Um, and I was on his planning team. You know, that checked two of the boxes. So he's a, he's a big reason why I am where I am. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chance, his son, is my grand marshal. I'm very tight with, with that family and um, very appreciative of them. You know, uh, this year I met uh, Right Worshipful uh, uh, Tommy Chapman for the first time. And, you know, he's he's kind of a big name around some of the, the areas that I work with, especially in, in, in Demolay and whatnot. And I was really nervous meeting him. And he ended up being really super cool and hanging out with me and talking to me and, and just meeting on the level. And uh, that was fantastic. And then, you know, my experience with uh, uh, past Grandmaster Jerry Kirby, uh, another fantastic guy. And just, you know, it, it's really cool that you, you see people like you as as the most worshipful at this time and you're like man that's that's kind of the boss i mean that's just the way that humans act you 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 have a title uh you you have the golden purple on you're the boss what you say kind of goes right now uh but when we meet y'all y'all are just so down to earth well i i certainly hope so i mean if we're not doing that you know what are we doing that that is what our fraternity is about is 
meeting on the level and, mm-hmm. and being able to meet a brother eye to eye, regardless of station. Um, you know, no eminence of station should let us forget that we're brethren. Mm-hmm. And that's one of the great things I love about how we are elevated, but we're only elevated for a time. Uh, yeah. And I know there's a certain, you know, there's a certain, uh, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, preference given to past grandmaster status and stuff like that. Yeah. But still, we go, in Texas, we go back to the right worshipful, uh, mm-hmm. where several states, they retain the most worshipful. And I just, to me, I think that that is symbolic of being on the level, being elevated for a time, and returning right back to the level. Yeah. Uh, which is such an important lesson within our craft. So, um, you know, Jared Kirby, you mentioned him. He's, he's another guy that, that mm-hmm. really had a, an impact on my life, really more in York Rite than, than craft masonry yeah. uh, for the longest time. But when he got elected uh, Grand Junior Warden, I remember he pulled out a, a brand new notebook <laughs> and he started writing down District Deputy Grand Masters. That was the first one that he wrote down. Now, yeah. we, we, after that, we had to switch districts and stuff like that because. He was trying to maneuver around, get all his buddies in there. Right. And I, I get it, but, you know, he was just another guy that had a, a real impact on my life. Yeah. And um, and then Tommy Griffin. Yep. Tommy Griffin yep. was really um, an impact in my life. And another one of those guys that was just very approachable, very down-to-earth. Mm-hmm. Um, here was a guy who served as Grandmaster, and then signed up for the Masonic Education and Service Committee. He was there teaching OLTs when I was going through, and, you know, he's a past grandmaster. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was just so inspiring to me. Yeah. Such an approachable guy, such a nice guy. And on top of that, he, uh, when he was grandmaster, he conferred the Order of the Temple. And I thought that was one of the coolest things. And so this year, obviously, I'm grandmaster. Uh, I made it a point to confer the Order of the Temple uh, because I just thought it was a really neat touch, uh, the yeah. Grandmaster conferring the Order of the Temple. And he, he did that. So all these guys have had, you know, they've, they've inspired me. They've, mm-hmm. uh, you know, made me reach for higher heights. Uh, the past Grandmasters on the whole are a group that I really look up to. Yeah. You are straight up going across everybody. Scottish Rite, York Rite, Shrine, Grotto. Everybody that you belong to you were still giving the same amount of time and effort to it. And that's really cool. Cause wasn't that, uh, when you conferred that order of the temple, wasn't that the good Friday order of the temple? That was good Friday. Yeah. yeah. So the, uh, we, we've looked, we really looked for opportunities this year to, um, not to just say the family of Freemasonry, but to mm-hmm. show the family of Freemasonry. And yeah. so I've gotten to do stuff with, with Demolay. I've gotten to do stuff with rainbow girls, mm-hmm. uh, the York Rite. Scottish Rite, Shrine, the Grotto. Um, I've really had an opportunity to uh, to be active in all these groups. And even though I don't get to go to uh, my monthly meetings as much mm-hmm. as I would like to, uh, I've been able to do it on a grander scale. Yeah. And so, um, so yeah, with the Commandery, you know, we, that was the, the uh, Good Friday Order of the Temple. Um, interestingly enough, um, about three months later, we, we realized that there was going to be a Friday the 13th. <laughs> and so we did a Friday the 13th order of the temple. That's and, cool. Uh, and we have one more Friday the 13th right before I go out of office mm-hmm. order of the temple that we're, that we're putting together as we speak. Um, so just to find ways to, to highlight these different bodies of Freemasonry uh, yeah. tonight, actually, 
we did the past master's degree on 18 candidates. That's and nuts. It's, it's such a cool tie, mm-hmm. uh, masonry and that degree in particular, mm-hmm. um, because it was once conferred in the Blue Lodges. Yeah. And so to be able to confer that, uh, I didn't confer it, uh, but I got to, uh, to seat the candidates. Yeah. And I just thought that was one of the coolest things um, that I could do as Grandmaster. So I was well, very I- happy. I got to give a shout out to to the Yorkites on that one. If you're a master mason in Texas and you have not gone through the Yorkite, you're still a little iffy whether or not you want to join. There is an honorary degree called the past master degree that you need to just contact your Yorkite and see if the chapter will put it on you. It will change your life. It will prepare you for the East. It will get you ready for further Masonic roles in your career. And, uh, it's one of my favorites. Definitely one of my favorite degrees. Absolutely. And I, I told the guys tonight, and I'll tell your audience as well, mm-hmm. um, this degree had such a profound impact on me. I've had it conferred upon me three times in my life. Uh, the first time was uh, when I went to the York Rite. Mm-hmm. Um, the second time was when I was installed. I was the centennial master of my lodge, and um, I got installed. And when I did that, um, I asked a group to come in and Confer it on me again, even though I've seen it. I yeah. thought the lessons were so important that I wanted to have it conferred upon me as I went in as master. Mm-hmm. And then after I was installed as grandmaster, I had that same team almost. There were a few guys that had to, to change out, uh, but I had that same team come up and confer it on me again because mm-hmm. the lessons of it are so important that um, that I, I wanted to be reminded of it at every step in my progress through Masonry. At Grand Lodge, after Grand Lodge, didn't y'all seat like 40 candidates? We did. We, we had uh, a huge class, and um, uh, it was just absolutely phenomenal mm-hmm. doing that in the Grand East yeah. and having these guys that didn't know about the process, didn't know about mm-hmm. uh, the degree, just kind of falling into it and then being exposed to it and thinking, man, why didn't I do this yeah. you know, however many years ago? It was really a neat experience to do that at Grand Lodge with well, the Grand High Priest. And the Grand High Priest was there tonight, so it yeah. was really interesting. Speaking of the past master degree, it sets you up for so much. And like we said, it'll just help you in your Masonic career. But, dude, I'm taking this from Jack Kelly, so so don't 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 get mad about this question because it's, it's a little bit of a rough question. We never want to throw any shadows on the light that we're trying to give on uh, about Freemasonry on social media. Nine months in, have you had any uh, big issues, Any anything that just was a little bit harder than you expected? Anything you can talk about in that and share share a little bit of information, how how you've had to, to handle a couple of disappointments or anything that's arose since you've been Grandmaster? You know, there's, um, the, you expect a lot of it, right? Because mm-hmm. you know what you're signing up for, and especially being a trustee for four years, starting at Grand Junior Warden and then Grand Senior Warden and Deputy, mm-hmm. you're exposed to a certain amount of it, and you know that certain things are going to happen during your year that you're going to have to deal with. But I will say that the, the two things that have really kind of hit me this year, one is a lot of people think that you as Grandmaster are, you know, the end-all, be-all, and you can basically just wave a magic wand and make everything happen. Yeah. But there are still rules. There are still laws. There are still... Uh, committees and proper ways and channels for things to go through Mm -hmm. and so I think you know one of the things that I didn't expect is that people don't know that they don't know that the grandmaster can't just do whatever the heck he wants right and so I've had people that I consider friends or 
even people that I consider supporters of me throughout the years kind of get upset with me or get bitter about something that I couldn't change, you know, something right. that I couldn't um, just wave a wand and, and make it the way they wanted. Yeah. Uh, and not that I would have if I could have, mm-hmm. but um, it's interesting the fact that people think the Grandmaster is just this guy who can do whatever he wants. Uh, it's simply not the case. Yeah. Uh, there are, you're given a lot of leeway as Grandmaster. You can do a lot of things, mm-hmm. but you can't just do whatever you want. There are a lot of times there are laws or things put in place. Right. Um, and so I think that that's been kind of an interesting thing that you don't get until you're in the seat. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say overall, the uh, the number one thing that that keeps popping up, sometimes in small instances, sometimes in big instances, is where we're at. You know, if you look at the average age of, of the Masons today, mm-hmm. uh, it's in the the low to, to mid seventies. Yeah. But you look at the guys that are joining, it's all below forty. Mm-hmm. So. There is a giant spread in between those two ages. There's different ideas, different ways we grew up, different views on things like technology, as you well know, with mm-hmm. TikTok and podcasting. Um, it's a it's a missing generation, so, really. A, a couple of, I think, yeah. two missing generations, actually, if you want to get into it. Yeah. But really and truthfully, what, what that boils down to is you've got this group that has held this fraternity together long enough so mm-hmm. that some group would eventually join and and here we are you know uh, we're the younger generation we're here and we're ready to go and but now they're they're um they're hesitant right because mm-hmm. obviously why wouldn't you be it kind of reminds me of that scene in indiana jones you know uh the, the grail right the guy's been waiting there for so long and the guy <laughs> walks in he's gonna defend the grail and he tries to pick up the sword and he kind of falls backwards yep he's like you know he he had to watch it way too long and these guys mm-hmm. Thank God! Thank God! These guys that are that are older have been holding this fraternity together yeah. uh, with bailing wire and duct tape and however they could to hand it off. But mm-hmm. but it's it's been so long, and now you got this younger generation that shows up, and they're kind of antsy and excited. And mm-hmm. Not all of their ideas are the best ideas, so we've got to find a way to make these two work together. But almost every situation that I've run into uh, that's been a surprise has kind of been an issue of. Um, making these two groups uh meld together mold together yeah. and it's um it's, it's a challenge that we're going to have to as a fraternity overcome and i think that uh that we'll get there but it has created in the interim uh you know some confusion and some yeah. some heartache and stuff like that so that's where a lot of the issues that have come up this year uh came from well i have a solution for you right now you just need to write a grand edict you can do it tomorrow we can get it out <laughs> Yeah. Implement seating charts. Implement seating charts at lodge dinners where you have to set guys from youngest to to oldest to next youngest to next oldest and intermix them all, right? Just get the guys sitting together, eating together, praying together, breaking bread together. And then uh, they'll eventually start talking and figuring out that they're not so different. We're all brothers. We all love the light. We just want to share it in a different way. So that's 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 my advice to you. (laughs) <laughs> I, I've been doing that. I've been doing that in different versions. You know, we were just on this trip in the UK and we had our own bus. Mm-hmm. And I was telling people, move around, go talk to people, sit in a different seat, you know? Yeah. And uh, we did the, certainly did that during district deputy training. We didn't want these guys forming cliques. We wanted everybody to know everybody. Right. So we had different breakout sessions and everybody had different ones so that, mm-hmm. you know, they had their best buddy. And then all of a sudden they're in two different, you know, two different groups. 
And uh, so they had to make a new best buddy. And yeah. uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think it's important. I tell guys when they show up, you know, like we had tonight, we had different groups from different lodges showing up for the chapter, uh, or, you know, for the past master's degree. And they were sitting with each other. I said, you, you came with that person. Go sit yeah. next to somebody you don't know and have a conversation. Yeah. Uh, I do agree that we just need more of that all around. So did your time in the East in, in the regular Blue Lodge, did your time there help prepare you for this on the grander level of things? Or is this stuff that you're just having to kind of learn on the go? Absolutely. Every experience you have in life prepares you for the next thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, really, um, I was extremely fortunate, uh, although at the time it was stressful, to be the Centennial Master of my lodge, Trinity Valley in Dallas, Texas. Mm -hmm. um, when you're the Centennial Master, there's extra pressure, right? Because it's, it's your 100th year. Yeah. There's coins that have to be made, pins that have to be made, events that have to be set up. And so a lot of, you know, a lot of the events and things that I'm doing now, the planning, uh, I kind of cut my teeth on that as master, right. uh, planning our centennial uh, event. And mm -hmm. it really was a lot of fun looking back on it. Originally, yeah. it wasn't a lot of fun having to do all the work. Right. And then, um, you know, being, being a master of a, a statewide lodge, I mentioned that earlier, but Texas mm -hmm. Lodge of Research um, really was every, you only get four meetings. And it moves around the state. Yeah. So not only did that introduce me to new guys, but it also gave me that kind of idea of how to find a lodge or find a location and yeah. build an event around a, a meeting. And that's really, yeah. you know, essentially what I've done this year. I've just gotten hopefully better at it. So. Which uh, I got I to gotta throw out there for you. I found out that I am uh, accepted into Texas Lodge of Research. Uh, apparently, they sent me a dues notice and it went through my spam folder and I didn't see it. So uh, I paid that up and now we're starting to think about possibly what we're going to write about. So thank you for that top sign there. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure I signed your petition. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I, they, they could have denied you, but uh, I would have probably heard about it. So. It would have probably been smarter if they did, but it is what it is. I know that you've met with multiple grandmasters across the state. Uh, you know, in, in Minnesota, you were with 26, 27 of them in the same room. And uh, y'all all did a special shout out to TikTok, which everybody loved. Um, but, you know, <laughs> we, we know that you guys, when y'all get together, of course, you're talking about the challenges on national level and, and you know, uh, from different juris jurisdictional standpoints. But if there was one thing that you could just change about Freemasonry with the click of a finger, or snap of a finger, what what would that be? In all reality, I don't know that I would change anything about masonry, um, but I but I think masonry is changing for the better right now. And mm -hmm. really, the the difference is just those the two generational uh, the two generations that we have now with the two generation gap for all intents and purposes. I know that there were guys that joined out of those generations. Yeah, but but trying to find a, a middle ground for them, and like you said, we're we're not that different, mm -hmm. but we certainly approach it in a different way. Mm -hmm. And so, I won't say I would change it about masonry, but I look forward to the day when these two groups figure out totally how to work together. Yeah, because when we do that, there's going to be nothing that that can stop us. There's going to be nothing yeah. that will slow us down. And I really feel like we're kind of on the beginning of a revival of masonry. Like I said, the guys that are joining are, are all under the age of 40, you yeah. know, statistically speaking. Yeah. And so we're really close to, to bridging that gap and the young guys learning from the guys that have been here uh, holding this fraternity together. 
once that happens, I just hope I'm alive to see it. So I, I wouldn't yeah. say that I would change it, but I know it's coming, and I very much look forward to the day when that starts to, uh, when that when that spark is ignited. Yeah, it's gonna combust like nothing we've ever seen, and I think our fraternity is going to be the beneficiary of that. I think the biggest part that's going to push that is the way we communicate, because we're still at that edge. Yeah, we're we're still at that edge where some of the older guys don't know how to use the new technology, but the younger guys won't use anything but new technology. So we're just we're right there. It's just a fine line, and I, I agree with you. I agree with you. There's going to be something that bridges that gap. I just happen to think it's going to be communication. There's there's a huge shift in, in spirituality. There's a, there's a huge shift in, in the morals and the character of our nation. You can, you can see it all over the news and all that. Do you think that Freemasonry will still remain relevant in 10 to 20 years? I think Freemasonry is more relevant today than it has ever been. And it's for, for a multitude of reasons, but right now, uh, the most important thing that we do and the most important thing for us not to get away from, even if we're communicating through Facebook and TikTok mm-hmm. and podcasting, is that we meet in person. Yeah. And I can't tell you the stories that I've heard of guys that could not even speak to another person. Uh, now, after going to Lodge, they're standing up and, and giving speeches or you know running the Lodge. It, it, it changes people's lives. Yeah. And in a world where you can work online, go to church online, you certainly buy all your stuff online. You can even buy groceries online and have them dropped off mm-hmm. at your house. But of course. So, I mean, the social interaction has become what used to be commonplace. It has become one of our finest selling points as to why you should join fraternity. Yeah. People are hungry for that. And until you have that social interaction in your life, you're not going to be happy. You know, you, you yeah. can't replace that social interaction with anything else. Uh, it's kind of like religion. Uh, mm-hmm. You can try to fill that hole, that void with everything else. But until you find it, you're just going to be, you know, floating out there aimlessly. And Masonry does a fantastic job of bringing guys together, creating that community around you as the individual, and then also reminding you of what's most important in life. So it fills a lot of those gaps and a lot of those voids. And I'm telling you, there are a lot of people out there that have those voids in their life. And if you're one of them, you're listening to this podcast, you're looking for something, but you don't know what it is. I guarantee you masonry has something for you because even if it's just building that community around you, even if it's just reminding you of all those important things on a uh, monthly or weekly basis, depending on how often you go, uh, it is very needed in today's world for those reasons. And I don't see it. I see it getting a lot worse and therefore masonry being a lot more needed mm-hmm. uh, before it gets better. Yeah. I, yeah, absolutely. Preach it, preach it, preach it. This question comes from a group of an EAs and this is uh, it, it's kind of funny. I asked about five or six EAs to, to send me a question, any question that they would want to ask the grandmaster, you know, and they're from different jurisdictions, but what would you ask your grandmaster? And they all said this. They said, what is something that every Freemason today, entered apprentices up, can do to help Freemasonry shine brighter today? Interesting question. And I, I think it goes back to something that we've already talked about. That is, do what makes you happy. Mm-hmm. Don't 
don't go down a path that you hate, that you dread because you feel like it's what you're supposed to do. And then, you know, end up resenting that process and, and associating that with what Freemasonry is. Freemasonry is such a large umbrella. There are so many different things you could do. You can travel. Uh, you can, you know, be a podcast guy if you want to be a podcast guy like yourself. Um, you can be in the administrative side of it. You could do the philanthropy side of it and give back to your community. You could study the philosophy and enrich your mind. Mm -hmm. uh, you could look at the history. I mean, you're a history nerd. There's so yeah. many different avenues of masonry that you can go down. But find what you really, really enjoy. And even if you're going through the lineup in your lodge to become a past master or um, you know, working on some other aspect, make sure that that's where you spend the majority of your time as a Freemason. Mm -hmm. uh, when I talk about, you know, make Masonry your Masonry, that's what I'm talking about. Figure out what you want to do. And, and if it's something that's going to take multiple steps to get there, lay out a trestle board, you know, mm -hmm. figure out how to get from point A to point B. That's, that's something that we're taught as Masons, but we don't always do is figure out your game plan to get to where you want to be. Yeah. Um, but make sure that it's something that you enjoy and not something that you're doing because you think you have to do it. Mm -hmm. uh, nothing in masonry is mandatory. Um, after you get through your, after you become a master mason, you're really on your own. And at that point, it's your time to define what you want masonry to be for you, uh, because it is a personal journey, and it is your journey. Don't let someone else tell you what it ought to be. Amen. What does the life of past grandmaster Wright Worshipful Brad Brad Billings look like? At, like we were just talking about, the, the, there's a trestle board, mm -hmm. and uh, I've got different things laid out. Um, I've got stuff that I'm working on now that will continue. Uh, my very good friend, Chance Chapman, is going to be Grand Commander uh, about three months after uh, I go out, mm -hmm. and he's helped me so much this year. I'm, I'm obligated to help him next year, so I'll be doing <laughs> some, some new stuff on the commander's front. Yep. Uh, nothing, nothing really big or official, just helping out a lot. Mm -hmm. um, I've been asked to speak in North Carolina. I've been asked to speak in Iowa and uh, a few other places, a few other states. So I imagine a lot of that type stuff, but right. there are still things on the trestle board that, as you can imagine, over the last three or four years, I've had to kind of step away from. Mm -hmm. um, doesn't mean that they go away or change. just means I stepped away from it for a little while and went on a, a, a new trajectory. But now I'm going to get back to those things. So I look, I look forward to being active again in my chapter council, commandery, Scottish Rite, some of the things that I've had to step away from that I dearly love. Uh, and then on top of that, you know, uh, some new opportunities. But mm -hmm. if people think that I'm slowing down or going away, um, I just I can't do it. Masonry's yeah. in my heart and in my soul, and uh, and I'll still be here active. And so you will still see me anywhere and everywhere that I can possibly turn up. It's kind of even uh, a little bit of a mentorship for any past masters going through Blue Lodge. A lot of times you see the past masters kind of go through the line, get in the East, and then they fade away. They're, they're no longer in their lodges uh, uh, light anymore. You know, they, they, of course they let the new guys come up and do their thing, but then they just don't come back. And I think it's really cool and special that you're still planning to be active to, to, to put on these roles and help the overall body of masonry out. And uh, it goes to show a lot of your character and, and, and show a lot of uh, your passion towards a fraternity. So I thank you for that. Fraternity is vast. And so um, there's no way that you can ever 
do everything at one time. So you've got to span it out, you know, Mm -hmm. and even if I stay as active as I am now for the next 50 years, as I said, I hope in the, in the opening of this interview, uh, I still don't know that I'm going to get to all of it. You know, right. there's so many different avenues and aspects that you could do, but you did touch on one thing and that's mentorship. And that's like I had talked about earlier, you know, kind of being the guy that hopefully is a task grandmaster for a mm-hmm. very long time. Um, but one of the things that I really look forward to doing now is that, um, Leonard Harvey, my grand, uh, my my mentor, uh, past grandmaster, he opened so many doors for me. Uh, grandmaster Chapman, Grandmaster mm-hmm. Kirby, uh, those guys, they opened so many different doors for me that now I kind of see it as my job to get back to the next generation of guys that are coming up, yeah. that are excited, that have that same level of excitement and enthusiasm to open the doors for them and to watch how they come through them and, and what they do with the opportunities that they're given. So. Very excited about that yeah. that chapter uh, of my life coming up. Before I uh, before I finish my or ask my last question here because I do have one more question for you. I just I want to thank you so much for for what you've done for the social media Masonic community. Uh, you know we're we're not graced with just being in Texas. We're we're worldwide. We're international, and uh, it's it's been an honor to to bring you on, introduce you to to other Masons across the world, essentially. And uh, kind of bring you in and, and and make you a part of the family. And and uh, I just have to to say how how humble I am and grateful that you have uh, accepted this little side mission here in your journey as Grandmaster to <laughs> hang out with Fluff every now and then. So thank you so much. I really uh, it's been great. I really appreciate it's been, it. It's really it's been it's been so great because uh, before you came along, we had talked about you know. Um, different avenues like i said we have a social media calendar mm-hmm. uh mainly run through facebook we do some instagram uh we've been trying to catch up with the times because we were 20 or 30 years behind the curve <laughs> and and then ever the, the subject you know of twitter came up and we're like yeah i don't know about it yeah and then tiktok came up and it was the hard no and uh but but there are guys like yourself out there that are representing us well mm-hmm. and so we chose to to have our exposure through tiktok through guys like yourself yeah. and others that were already out there doing it without necessarily doing the grand launch page. So thank you for what you do and for sharing Absolutely. this content with, with the brethren and yeah. uh, just getting it out there for more people to see. Yeah. Well, in the memory of past Grandmaster Jack Kelly, I got to leave you with one last question. Have you had, do you uh, have anything to say or anything to add to this discussion for the good of masonry? Just that, you know, make masonry your own. Um, and and really look to bridge that gap, help us to bridge that gap between the older generation and the younger generation. I'm trying to keep peace and harmony as much as I can at the helm. But, you know, individual Masons, we, we have to take upon that responsibility for ourselves. Um, I remind everybody it's a personal journey, and uh, yours doesn't have to look like anybody else's to be successful. You can blaze your own path. Uh, you can... You know, make a different combination than you've ever seen before. But make it your own and really and truthfully look for mentorship. Uh, that was something I, I wanted to talk about but because I, I feel it's important. Mm-hmm. But just like I feel you charting your own course, you setting out your own trestle board, everything in this is you. It's your journey. And mentorship, I feel like, is, is very much in that same vein. 
Now, your lodge when you're coming through might pair you with this guy because it was his turn to take on the mentee and you happen to be the guy. Doesn't mean you're going to have the same values or thoughts or connections. It'll help get you to Master Mason. Mm-hmm. But once you're a Master Mason, it's on you to find that guy that you want to be your mentor. Yep. Uh, and, and you do that yep. through traveling. You do that through finding what you enjoy and then finding someone that's really good at that. And then ask that guy to, you don't have to make it awkward and walk up to him. Hey, you want, will you be my mentor? Mm-hmm. Just start hanging around. And I promise you, before you know it, that, that relationship will evolve. So I guess if I could end on anything, you know, really take take responsibility for your journey through this because no one else knows mm-hmm. you like you. And you're the only one that's going to be able to weave all the different aspects of this fraternity into the tapestry that you want. Um, but you have the complete autonomy and ability to do that for yourself. Absolutely. Take advantage of it. Absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been Most Worshipful Brad Billings. Uh, Most Worshipful, thank you again for coming on the show tonight. I appreciate you taking up your time and, and wasting all your, your phone battery with us. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I wish you the best of, of the rest of your year. Safe travels. Uh, get out there. Keep up the hard work. Enjoy the time with your DDGMs. I know you're pretty much just made an entire family with them at this point. And uh, as always, if there's anything Brother Fluff or Zach Wyatt can do for you, let me know. I, I am I am here for you and uh, appreciate everything you've done for the fraternity this year. Thank you, Brother Fluff, and I look forward to seeing you down the road. Awesome, awesome. To all of my watchers and followers and friends and family who may be watching this right now, y'all go out, do something good for somebody this week. Some OTB.